near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side, and the composer of the music from the album Home. Today we're going to share an experience uh, from a woman. uh, Her name is Anki, or Anki, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. But um, this is an experience that she had back in 2009, which you will hear in her account. This is particularly interesting to me because of its discussion of the connection between the body and the spirit, which I think is worth considering. Okay, let's dive in. So Anki says, It was in September 2009 when I arrived home from a jogging run. I was completely frozen because it was so cold outside. I was in the process of starting a fire in our fireplace when my baggy jogging pants caught fire. With a slight trace of irritation for my inattention, I tried to extinguish the flames with my hands, but this wasn't successful. The extra air seemed to make the fire climb, growing even stronger and faster as it moved upwards. Soon, not only were my pants ablaze, but also my jacket. When I look back at the moment, I'm always fascinated anew because I didn't feel any fear at the time. It simply happened, and somehow I was only a silent observer of what was just happening to and on me. I constantly tried to extinguish the flames with my hands. I didn't scream and didn't call for help. The whole event seemed somehow surreal to me, although, or almost like it was remotely controlled. I still vividly remember the moment when I realized that I couldn't control the fire anymore. The fire devoured the synthetic clothing as the flames reached my face. Then my long hair caught on fire and I couldn't breathe. A wow effect started, which changed everything. I suddenly understood that this is it. I said to myself, give up. Now you're going to die. Since breathing was impossible and any chance calling for help was gone, I had no more control over my life. I couldn't do anything else. The most impressive thing at this moment was that I didn't feel any pain or fear. This moment consisted uh, only of an all-inclusive realization 
that I now was dying. And the conclusion of, it's okay. From today's view, view, this exact moment was the biggest gift of my life. I gave up and stopped fighting. I made one of my most important decisions. Let go. Accept. Now, eight years after this experience, it's extremely difficult for me to find adequate words for those feelings and insights. It's something which couldn't even remotely be described or some way explained with human words. It's an instant that comprises everything. And at the same time, nothing. There was absolute inner silence and an attitude of wait and see what would happen now. At the same time, it's the most wonderful awareness of the absolute. My life was not passing in a kind of slow motion in front of me like many people describe who have had NDEs. It was more like an inner realization that filled me that my past life was exactly right and good the way it was. This realization was without melancholy and worry. There was nothing there that was to be completed, no commitment at all. It was simply a point. I seemed to have totally escaped from the feeling of time. All those deep impressions opened up to me in a very restrained time frame, like what you would need for three to four breaths. At the same time, it felt like an all-encompassing, amazing eternity. I could write pages about everything that was going on during this moment. Still, it was only a moment in which I certainly had to deliver myself completely and above all, consciously, to my higher identity. I had absolutely no choice anymore. I gave up every human control and let go. What followed was a calm, yet almost curious, wait and see for what would be coming next. I now perceived my earthly body from a kind of watcher's perspective, with a feeling of neutrality. I was watching the body as it slowly started to stagger with its arms helplessly fluttered around. It couldn't hold this state for very long, but it was very clear for me. My neutral watching of what was happening with my body changed abruptly into joy when my son was suddenly standing in the door. He, age 14 at the time, in a flash realized the dangerous situation. He reacted with great presence of mind by running towards my body and pulling it to the floor. He was able to extinguish the flames with a nearby carpet. I still seemed somehow away from the event and was following his efforts to help me quite literally, as if I was only an uninvolved bystander. I watched him as he ran to a telephone. I watched the arrival of the emergency doctors, as well as the landing of the rescue helicopter. My consciousness had separated from my body, and I seemed to be next to it. I was watching like an observer or bystander, but nothing was leading my awareness away. There were no deceased loved ones that were welcoming me, no bright light that I could perceive, no dark tunnel or other changes or anything like that. Instead, 
I could watch the nice female emergency doctor in the helicopter and saw how she cared for my body that was lying relaxed on a kind of stretcher with wheels. Bustle came up only when my body was rolled on the gurney by paramedics into the hospital. The doctors hurried along and brought it into the emergency room. Bottles and tubes were on its belly, and yet it seemed that it was okay. It seemed to me as if it were sleeping deeply and relaxed. The whole commotion that I saw was puzzling me. I heard the paramedics talking to the doctors, saw what they were doing with my body, and that they took it to the surgery room. Nobody seemed to take any notice of me, and this was confusing me. Nobody on this human plane could perceive me. Not my son, nor the emergency doctor in the helicopter, much less the hectic doctors at the hospital. Nobody would answer my questions. Whatever I tried to communicate, nobody seemed to hear or see me. This was really the thing, the only thing that bothered me the whole time. Am I dead? My body was just lying there. Now, for the first time since the admittance into the hospital, I had the possibility to look at it calmly. Meanwhile, they had transferred it to into a calm, intensive care room. Apart from the blip of some machines, it was calm around us. It seemed well cared for. The machines had many devices that watched the body's functions and countless tubes providing the body with everything it needed. It was indeed a strange picture for me, as it was lying there and the body's chest was heaving through a ventilator. Its hands and head were covered with bandages, where only a small opening could be seen where the tubes came out that belonged to those devices. It was just lying there, like a lifeless shell without content, and it seemed to wait peacefully in its own way. I, however, was sitting at the foot end of the bed, and countless thoughts came up. For heaven's sake, what does this mean? I am here. I feel very alive. Why am I not feeling what it feels? Above all, when I'm dead now, why am I still here? Why am I not detaching myself of it? Why am I, what am I still waiting for? After I almost was getting used to this strange disconnected state, I suddenly heard a warm, soft voice behind me. Somebody seemed to enter the room. With his appearance, the energy in the slightly darkened room was abruptly changing. You aren't dead, Anki, I heard. When I turned around, I was looking into the loving eyes of a tall male and glowing figure of light. He seemed to fill the whole room with his presence. Have no fear, my dear. You will get answers for all your questions. At the moment, there is nothing of importance for you here. Therefore, I would like to show you a few things, if you'd like. And so the most adventurous journey of my life began. This figure of light was leading me away from my body. I was shown what consciousness and conscious existence is, and of what it consists. I was taught and trained and asked a thousand questions, while getting 10,000 answers. I became aware of coherences, 
that I never before, I would never remotely would have guessed. My patient teacher was leading me into all realms being important for me. I learned how our human body is connected to higher planes of vibration, what it means to integrate the soul parts to free blockages, and how soulmates are connected. He taught me what it really meant to extend my consciousness and how our human self is connected with this and uncountable other things. I was given the occasion to experience everything. Then we visited the room in which my body was in a coma. My teacher instructed me about what it meant to really accept the physical body for what it is, a vessel enabling us to have our experiences in duality as a human, a vessel that wants to be inhabited by our higher consciousness and which is longing for connection. On one of those visits at the hospital room, my spiritual teacher asked me to tune in to my physical body. He wanted me to feel inside and to get into clear contact with it. I felt its constriction, heaviness, and its limitations. But I also was aware of its creativity as it was constantly renewing. It had inconceivable possibilities and its very own way of communicating with me. I was allowed to explore it and let it, for the first time, tell me its stories. Upon this extraordinary experience followed the most important question I ever asked in my life. Now you are allowed to make a decision. It's your choice. Do you want to return into this, your body, or do you want to tell it goodbye here and now? From today's view, I don't believe that there was ever the question to die and to leave these planes, but rather about the unbelievable insights, the realization of the decision, connectedness, effect, and the truth. It was allowed to consciously say yes to myself, to my being human, and to return to my body. I was allowed to consciously melt back with it, connecting again. I was flowing into its cells while feeling its boundaries and its density. It was a gigantic feeling. I perceived it exactly as it was. Even though it was less than perfect at the moment, I accepted it, and everything in the body was filling me with the purest gratitude. Gratitude that it was still available for me, that I could stay here. Gratitude for this indescribable schooling, and also gratitude toward myself for my courage and strength. Above all was gratitude for my unwavering trust. Since this experience, everything is different. I am different. I changed my focus in life. I'm not searching anymore, only finding. I feel no pressure, no must, and ought to but instead an unconditional yes to myself and my world and to the wonderful way I am allowed to experience it. This indescribable experience changed everything.
that is the end of Anki's experience. And her, she has a link to her website. Her website is anke-evertz.de if you want to look further into that. But wow, what an interesting experience. I am especially, as I mentioned earlier, interested in Anki's description of the connection between the physical body and our spirit selves. Because it seems, from what she says and what other experiences have demonstrated, that our physical bodies seem to have something of a life of their own. Which sounds so weird when we think about, now, now that we've gotten so used to and comfortable with the idea of us being beings separate from our bodies and that our bodies are simply a glove or a or a vessel you know and she does describe it as a vessel but it is it appears that it's a little bit more than that that the body itself wants things and i guess that's not a big surprise in terms of of our passions and appetites and desires and you know the physical urges and so forth but it seems to be more than that it seems that it is a living thing of itself but that it can't operate long or happily without our spirit inside it that's a bizarre idea but it's something that seems to be reflected in these near-death experiences and she finds herself communicating with her body which sounds weird when you think of, if you're thinking of the body as you, or you're thinking of the body as a suit that you're putting on, then it's easy to be confused by what she's saying. It, I don't know if you've ever, you know, read science fiction where you've got, you know, aliens taking over a body or something like that. But I'm almost picturing something similar to the host where where they come into the body and they expect the body to to willingly accept this host. Oh, this is great, this this alien being because, you know, whatever. Um, but and it doesn't seem to be at that level of because there doesn't seem to be any resistance. In fact, there seems to be a need for that spirit there, a, you know, a. Uh, it's like a co-adventure, so to speak. And I, I don't want to go too deep into that. I don't want to put across this idea that bodies live separate lives than humans. But I think there is something to the idea that the body is, on the mortal plane, alive separate from the spirit. Which is interesting for a number of reasons. One of them being that one of the things that science has that uh, that makes them generally not accept the idea of spiritual, you know, as, uh, of a spirit in the body, is this idea that the body seems to be mechanically able to take care of itself on its own, or at least be able to live on its own, even unconsciously. And, it, and it's like, well, what's the spirit doing in all of that? You know, is it sleeping at that moment? What's, what's going on? And we don't have all the answers to that. But it does appear that the physical body has some life force 
separate from the Spirit, which begs the question even more, what is a Spirit? And by that, I'm really asking, who are we really? What are we really? Because if this physical body is simply a living thing that needs us in order to to live properly, and that we are somehow, that it's acting as a host to our spirits, so to speak, then what is it that we are that's inhabiting that? Now, I have some of my own ideas about that. For example, that we are children of God, quite literally, and that we are entering these bodies to have a human experience. But that still doesn't explain what the composition is. Clearly, it's not something physical. Clearly, it's way more than that. It's not even uh, light as we see it here in the moral world because it apparently travels well beyond the the uh, speed of light. I mean, think about, you know, when light travels from the sun to the earth, it takes about eight minutes to get here, okay? And traveling at that speed, at what point would you pass other galaxies and other... Um, you know, uh, clusters of galaxies and so forth. Fact is, it would still take you thousands or millions of years because that's how big the universe is. Now, spirits appear when they travel to be able to whip past them in no time at all. Just, and they just fly past galaxies and so forth. That is so far beyond the speed of light that it doesn't compute with anything we know in this physical universe. Which is another reason why science simply can't accept the spiritual explanations for things. The idea that we are spirits, that we came from another place and that we're going back to that place, or, or that there is another realm where spirits dwell and live and experience, and that it is separate from this mortal world. Of course they can't see it, Whatever it is that we are is apparently so separate that uh, even if you could travel at the speed they travel, you're not likely ever to find anything. Because as we know from those who are dying and see their dead grandparents and the whole room full of people and none of the doctors or visitors are seeing any of that, there's clearly something separate there's another realm, another um, dimension or, or, you know, whatever. And that is our native place. Or perhaps it may be better to say that that place better fits what our spirit is. So it leaves the question of, of what is that? What is, what is it that we are? And aside from these kinds of experiences, as well as some of the words of mystics and, and, and prophets and, you know, the Bible and, you know, scripture, all the things that, uh, that give us little snippets of spiritual truths, we really don't know. And it's very difficult with our analytical, science-minded selves, you know, ways of thinking about things to quantify that and, and try to see it for what it is, because we can't. 
And as Anki says, there's really no way to describe this. No matter what you say, it's not completely describable. But gratefully, some, like Anki, try. And we are so incredibly grateful for that. But it also brings up the second point that I get out of this. And that is to, not in answer, but in response, I guess you could say, to the question, why? Why do we come to this physical plane? Why do we leave those realms and come here to experience what we experience? And is it to accomplish something? Or is it to experience something? Or is it something else entirely? Is it you know, we we gather that it has to do with learning, it has to do with with experiencing, and it has to do with, you know, trying to accomplish things. But it's almost like all those words or all those ideas are substitutions or or the surface level of what it's really all about. And everybody who goes to the other side and gets that opportunity to ask a thousand questions and get ten thousand answers as she describes it, everybody who describes that is told that they won't be able to remember it when they return. Or else they simply return and say, I can't remember what the answers were. I can't remember any of them. And yet I remember feeling that sense of, oh, I get it. I get it. That makes sense. Very interesting. Very interesting. One of the things that I get out of what Anki says about response to that is that as much as we spend our lives striving and as much as we tend to seek, that is not all there is to it. There's a great deal of accepting, and that doesn't mean accepting everything that happens to us. You know, if you're being abused, don't just accept that change, you know, to get yourself out of that situation and so forth, or whatever it is. But there is something to be said for, you know, seeking and then allowing. Seeking and allowing. And not just seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking. But rather let life unfold. Very interesting. And then as she puts it, the most, her most important decision, and the one that seems to have, have stood out to her as the most profound of all questions that were ever answered in her life is, should I return? And if those on the other side, like Anki, are there and see what they see, know what they know about coming here, and then decide that most important question, yes, I should return then I think it's fair to say that any one of us would at least see why that would be the case. Were we on the other side? I guess what I'm trying to say is that even though you don't know why you're here, even though you don't fully understand all that you need to about what you came here to do or accomplish or experience, <coughs> even though you don't remember all of that, that truth is there. There is a reason. There is a purpose. 
And if we allow rather than fight, if we allow life to lead us there, if we allow God to lead us there, if we seek with prayer and then allow what comes to guide us in the right direction, I think it's intended to happen naturally. That's going to be different for different people because different people are guided differently, different in different ways. Somebody who's very rambunctious is going to be just up and doing and doing and doing. And hopefully they can embrace that about themselves. If they can learn to embrace that about themselves, they're likely to experience their experiences, what they came here to do, via the adventures that they set out to do. For someone who, who perhaps is very calm and accepting of life around them, there may be a easing into their purpose or a calm um, allowing of life to unfold around them. And that's not to say don't try to change. Try to be your best self, because your best self is where you're going to best fulfill what you came here to do. But you don't have to be worried that you are adequate to the task, because you are adequate to the task, or you will be if you're not now. That's what happens when you're striving to do what's right, when you're seeking to follow truth even when it's a little bit hard to distinguish from, you know, deceptions and, and uh, distractions and so forth. I think God is leading us. Whatever that higher self is or whatever that means, we're being guided. And if we allow that guidance to take place, then we'll be able to do those things that we came here to do. And it will not be a, you know, stressful, oh, you know, most difficult thing I ever did type of thing. It's likely, much more likely anyway, to happen naturally. And I want to say comfortably that that's going to vary from person to person, but it will happen. So, if you would like to contact me, you can email chaz at ndepodcast.org. You can also email john at ndepodcast.org. You can become a patron or an uh, ongoing contributor, that is, by going to patreon.com slash ndepodcast. You can find my book, Life in the Spirit World, and my album, Home, on neardeathexperiencepodcast.org, and then click on Store in the menu items. And with that, thank you guys so much again for listening. Bye.